0: It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan
1: Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. Time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger. California Wine Country is brought to you by Bottle Barn. And speaking of Bottle Barn, also in studio today, Barry Herbst, wine buyer for Bottle Barn. Welcome, Barry. Thank you. Always Glad good to, good be to here. see you. Dan's guests today are Jeff and Bibiana Rave of Shared Notes. Welcome, Jeff and Viviana.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: I'm going us. to start by asking you about the name. I was not familiar with Shared Notes, so I put Shared Notes into Google, and three million pages about <laughs> college and high school and literature and reading all came up <laughs> before I found your website, which is SharedNotesWine.com. So what does Shared Notes mean for you guys?
2: Do you want me to start, uh, Jeff? Um, well, hello. I'm Bibiana. Bibiana. Uh, I am the founder, co-founder, and co-winemaker of chair Notes with my husband, Jeff Pisoni, also a winemaker. Uh, we started chair Notes in 2012, and the name really meant that it was the first time that we both, as winemakers, collaborated on a wine project together. So we started our business with the 2012 vintage.
3: And Jeff? Well, I share the, you know, I... I, I Second that, I shared the story. Um, we both made wine, you know, pretty much all our lives. And we've, like Viviana said, we've made, you know, a variety of different wines. And this is the first time we collaborated. So it's fun to, you know, work on things together. Dan Berger, your thoughts on
1: shared notes.
0: When I first t- tasted the Sauvignon Blanc, I was stunned, shocked. I don't know how to say it any better. I'll get it to will be, It'll work out better.
1: But in a good way. I
0: love the, f- the fabulous wines. I was really shocked at how good they were, and I had to have them in the studio, but little did I know that this is a project that's going far, far beyond one or two wines. This is really an exciting project, and I'm really excited that we're going to be able to talk with uh, Jeff and Bibiana today because there is such a long story that's building right now, and most of it is not going to be, I mean, it hasn't been divulged, for most most people. So this is a great opportunity. If you're listening, don't turn off the radio.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's better.
1: Barry, your thoughts on shared notes. I'm a big
4: fan. Of, I've, in fact, I just saw we're out of it. I think they've been out of wine themselves for a little while. But I love these wines because they're so different than everybody else in this area. Uh, they're very European in, in slant. Uh, they've got the Puy Pumé style, well, like a DDA Dagenau wine. And then you've got, like, a white grove style, like a big, rich... Uh, Bordeaux Blanc. Yeah, Bordeaux Blanc that, you know, would be triple the price of what you guys are charging. So I'm a big fan, and then I see there's a third wine I'm excited to check out. So I've always are we, been a big fan. What are we tasting right now?
2: Yeah, so what Jeff just put on all of our glasses is... So we, we started the project making only two wines since 2012, and we continue to only make two wines. This is, as Barry was mentioned, a very small production. We only make about 100 cases if each year of each wine. And we are very lucky that people like Dan and Barry and passionate about Sauvignon Blanc has found us because it's really a uh, word of mouth. Uh, people learn about our wines because somebody really was excited about it. So this is 100% Sauvignon Blanc. And, Jeff, I will let you tell the story of why we were inspired on Sincere and the wine that we make and how we make it.
3: Sure, So this, this 100% Sauvignon Blanc. So we make two wines, and this is this is the 100% one. We we both love Sauvignon Blanc and we're inspired by it through, you know, different means. Bibiana worked in in Bordeaux with with some really you know amazing Sauvignon Blanc. I had spent some time at a California winery working with Sauvignon Blanc, but we both mainly made, made Chardonnay and Pinot most our lives. So on our our joint project here. Sal Blanc is something we always loved and really wanted to work on together. So it's a very small production, and we put a lot of effort into every step of the way, collaborating, obviously, you know, sharing notes, obviously, but tasting, making all these decisions together to really come up with this. And Dan, your
1: thoughts on this? The
3: style on this wine is exactly what
0: Barry talked about. This wine that has a certain european flair to it but it in a way that you don't normally see from california fruit because in this case the fruit is really dominant mm-hmm. but in dominant in a certain way it's very interesting it's, un- it's like a slightly underripe quince so it's kind of got that citrusy note but the citrusy note is not at all green or stemmy in fact in some cases one of the reasons that from Uh, Puy Fumé became so famous was that he went to great extremes to accentuate both ripeness and low alcohol and tremendously high acidity. This wine carries so much of that personality with the great acidity, fabulous acidity. I mean, if you like oysters, this is your wine. This is fabulous wine for that purpose, but it's (laughs) also great to sip by itself with maybe some uh, uh, aged uh, cheeses. It's fabulous wine.
1: Barry?
4: I just love the (laughs) the tension in this wine, the the, uh, kind of nervy acidity. And it's great to see more wineries aspiring to higher-end Sauvignon Blanc because it's it's classically known as the porch pounder, easy-drinking summer wine. But it's got some amazing potential on the high end, and it's great to see people like you. This is the complete opposite. Of the mm-hmm. sweet Sauvignon Blancs that have become so popular in the United mm-hmm. States.
0: Absolutely mm-hmm. Thank you. Absolutely 180 saying that. degrees mm-hmm. different.
2: It's yeah. actually a very, very dry wine, so there is mm-hmm. no residual sugar. So we really go through huge extents of work to have wines that are very, like, really good fruit. It's not green fruit when we harvest, but we have really a ton of acid. And the wines are like zero grams per liter of sugar. So it's really wines that are bone dry.
0: And because it's it's made from a grape variety that most people will not age, most people will buy it and drink it. They will be missing out on the greatest experience you will ever have, and that is a 10- or 15-year-old bottle of truly dry Sauvignon Blanc properly aged. They are so exciting. There's Mm -hmm. Lay It
1: Down Dan Berger, once again (laughs) encouraging you to get some wine and lay it down. And forget about it. (laughs) This is California Wine Country, and our guests are Jeff Pisoni and Bibiana Rave. Bibiana, you don't sound like you're from around these parts.
2: <laughs> I am, no. I actually uh, I have a little accent. Just a uh, little. Just a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually born and raised in Medellin, Colombia, in South America, and I wanted to make wine since I was 14 years old. I'm actually the only Colombian born and raised winemaker I know of out of 50 million people. And uh, I ended up going to France. So I studied winemaking in France for six years. And as Jeff was mentioning, I studied in Cognac and Bordeaux. So I got to work in Bordeaux for two really pretty amazing wineries, uh, Chateau Aubryon and La Mission Aubryon, which is where I really got very inspired about white Bordeaux blends, blending Sauvignon Blanc with Semillon, which is the next wine that we will taste. And I came to California, to Sonoma County in 2004, and I just really fell in love. This place is just pretty spectacular so I, i'm very lucky i met uh, jeff in 05 we became really good friends and then we have been together since 2007
1: so so you fell in love with sonoma county
2: first first
1: and jeff <laughs> second I,
2: I, I, in the timeline right. yes, <laughs>
4: yes. <Right>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not saying that one is more important no to the other. no i didn't say that either
4: good clarification
3: <laughs> jeff tell us about your background so you know similar to bibiana that i've you know been interested or making wine all my life it's you know completely different you know start to that i was i was lucky that my you know i I grew up farming in the salinas valley my father was really into collecting wine and making wine so i got exposed to that and would help him when i was like an early teenager so uh, from then on i've been interested in, in pursuing that studied it all my life um so yeah It's been wine for a long time.
1: We are in the middle of California wine country with Dan Berger and Barry Herbst with us today. Our guests, Jeff Pisoni and Bibiana Rave of Shared Notes Wines. So folks who want to taste Shared Notes Wines can visit you if they make a reservation, right?
2: They may, yeah, they can.
1: And what happens, first of all, where are you located and what is the experience like? Awesome.
2: Yeah, so our winery is in Runner Park so i believe jeff are we the only winery in runner park
3: that's right i think i think we are (laughs) i could confirm that i've
4: never heard of any there blazing trails (laughs) i like
2: it yeah so we are actually really next to the casino so you know very entertaining um but uh, we don't have a tasting room we do tastings by appointment and really our focus has always been production so we always want to share with people how we make the wines so it's very common that if you come during harvest you will get to see us at the sorting table making the wines racking a wine, putting the wine in barrel um, and if we are not on harvest time we still do a winery tour and then you can taste our wines um, with us we do two tastings a day only Monday through
1: Friday. Okay and folks interested in setting up an appointment can visit their website sharednoteswine.com Dan?
0: I'm just going crazy for this next wine, which is a 2021 shared notes. And I don't know, what's the designation on the bottle? <clears throat> that,
3: one that one there. So on on this wine that we're tasting now is called Les Lessons des Maîtres, which is French for lessons from the masters, which is an inspiration from the cellar masters of Bordeaux from taking some of the idea from Bibiana's work and training there. And um, I grew up, my father was always a collector of Bordeaux, and so I always enjoyed or had a lot of admiration for the region and what Bordeaux's done for the industry as a whole. So it's a, a kind of a tribute to that. But this is a, a blend of Sauvignon Blanc and Sémillon. And, Dan, you are going wild over
1: it? (laughs) Why? He
3: can barely
4: contain himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of control.
0: (laughs) Well, a couple of things. First of all, number one is that I don't ever taste California wine with this kind of acidity. So when I do, it gets exciting because it's really European in style. But more than that, it's got wonderful California fruit. It's very exciting to see that fruit. But then again, in the mid-palate, it's got this incredible richness from the Simeon. And the Semillon had to be harvested early because if you harvest it too late, then you sacrifice the aging potential of the wine, similar to what happens in the Hunter Valley of Australia. But in this case, you have this incredible cool climate influence, Sauvignon Blanc, on top of cool climate Sauvignon Semillon picked early enough to capture all that beautiful... Uh, well, I don't want to go into the details of the aromatics, but you have to. Nobody is going to believe this. The aromatics of this wine.
2: Yeah, it's and you know, one. I think that one big focus, Jeff and I, we have put on this project is farming is very important. So the vineyards we grow the grapes from are really low yields, so they produce very low tonnage per acre, which is how we talk about production of wines and wine quality. Um, With the semillon, which just to your point on being able to harvest early without getting botrytis on the grapes, it's very important for us to go to a very low yield. So we really go to one cluster per shoot, which is a very low production for the vineyard. And you don't get to see that much semillon in California because it used to rot really fast. And it's a large producer, so you really need to manage it. um, I've I've tasted
0: semillons that were harvested from higher tonnages and at higher bricks, and the end result is clumsy wine. This is it's anything going, but yeah. clumsy. This is are these both stuff.
4: grapes coming from the same parcels, same vineyard?
2: So they are coming from different vineyards. Oh, okay. The Semillon comes from the same vineyard. We make the hundred um, percent Sauvignon brand, Le Pierre mm. qui decide, which is the first wine we tasted, mm. uh, and the Sauvignon brand comes from two vineyards in Russian River.
3: Dan, another another point that you might find surprising is that both of these wines are made with 100% new oak. Oh wow! Impossible to. <laughs> but, do, to, to yeah, you can't see it. You would you not don't know it. that. And so it's you know it's that it's that farming, harvest timing to harness the intensity of the Sauvignon Blanc that it works well with the oak, and also really lightly toasted barrels so
4: it doesn't overpower it. Yeah, you know, that's amazing.
1: Barry, are you as out of control about this wine as <laughs> I'm about Dan to is? lose it right here.
4: <laughs> this second wine to me is, it is so easy to enjoy right out of the gate. It has the same intense acid, but that um, Simeone adds like a melon component, a roundness. Mm-hmm. Really easy to enjoy fruit quality. I'm sure it would age amazing, but uh, super easy to enjoy. Yeah, right now. You, c-
0: you cannot believe what. I had a bottle of this a couple of weeks ago, and the third day, it was phenomenal. The third I day, totally and, 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 and Bibiana was saying earlier t- today, before we got on the air, that a week later it's even be better. It's <laughs> even better. Like yeah,
2: we had friends that challenged the wine because we say to everybody, we are making wines to age for thirty, forty years. So everybody mm-hmm. kind of laugh at us. We we don't do anything to this wine. We don't find it. We don't filter it. It doesn't go through malolactic fermentation. So we take a lot of risk. Jeff is a big risk taker, so he pushed really hard on not filtering the wine when we were talking about what to do. And our friends were like, okay, we're going to leave the bottle open as long as this can hold. And I really think that they left it on their counter. It was a magnum. And this was like in 2013 or 14. And every week they would come and pour a glass. And I think they left it open like for a month just to see it and they couldn't believe it like that, the wine mm-hmm. could not be it just gains on complexity and it just it's better. a
4: real test of quality i like with samples i take home i like having six or eight open and tracking them over long periods of time and i know i like can borrow or other european areas it's a point of pride that the wine continues to show better as time goes on and, and we'll stay but what
0: this one does more than anything else this one has a pH so low that this one is, I would call, bulletproof. I mean, mm-hmm. you you could take an AR13 to this <laughs> thing. Yeah.
1: Or 15, whatever it's called. Well, Viviana, since you're making wines to last 30 to 40 years, that explains Dan's excitement. You <laughs> right? have totally made his day. He can lay this bottle down for 30 years. Yeah. He can. And bring it back on the drive in 2053. Yep. And we yeah. can have some that.
0: <laughs> I'm hope I, I won't be able to walk into the <laughs> studio, but you can wheel me in, and I'll still drink Another it. Idea. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, Dan, you were talking about the untold story about shared wines. Tell us what you mean by that.
0: Well, having a having a uh, a, a strategy that actually carries with it uh, the ability to carry it out in practice is really the message. And I lived it, so I mean, I don't want to go into my details, but when you have a philosophy that carries, that starts with good acidity and starts with cool climate fruit, and then you know you're going to be making something that is way, way more complicated than the mo- the average consumer would of- ever understand, there's only one thing to do, and that is to simply move forward, do the thing, and pray that somebody has... The ability to understand what you're doing. I was fortunate enough that my, I got a bottle of this about two weeks ago. I was really skeptical. I didn't want to think that it was going to work, and I opened the bottle, and I almost fell down. It was so good. And that never happens to me. Never. Never. I don't, I don't think this has happened to me in 15 years.
4: It takes a lot to impress you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the last time it happened was a this, this tiny little project up in Oregon, and they're still doing it, but nobody cares, except for me. <laughs> so you
1: were not aware of shared notes till a couple of weeks ago?
0: Yeah, it's, I discovered this wine just by opening a bottle and said, that, that, I know what's going on here. I can sense the philosophy, because nobody does this by accident. You have right. to
1: really be crazy to do it.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> Viviana, are you crazy? Maybe, a, maybe a little crazy. Just a little. <laughs> maybe just
0: a little bit. And, and they're in my in my club now. They didn't even know it. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know
3: I had a club. It's the Acid
4: Freaks Club, or the original yes, around the,
3: the Acid
1: Freak. <laughs> we are in the middle of our California Wine Country segment with Dan Berger. Joining us as well this evening is Barry Herbst, wine buyer for Bottle Barn. And California Wine Country is brought to you by the fine folks at Bottle Barn. Our guests today, Jeff Pisoni and Bibiana Rave of Shared Notes Wines. Their website, sharednoteswine.com. What
3: are we tasting now? So now we have the Sauvignon Blanc Sémillon blend, but this is, you know, a snapshot of what really inspires us to do this. This is a 2012 vintage of the wine. So it's our You know, we we love this for making Sauvignon Blanc that can age as one of our driving forces to do it, and so this is an example of that. Damn?
0: Again, this is more proof that the project is completely valid because this is a 12 year, 10 year old wine that has all the vibrancy of a young wine, but in the mouth it gives you this sense of richness and almost oiliness that you can't get when the wine's very young. But when you get it at this age and you say, but it's still fruity, you say, well, how did that happen? Well, because the the proper grapes were used, the proper technique was used, and the proper method for getting those grapes off the vine at the right moment.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think I heard either Barry or Dan ask you about the sourcing of the grapes. These are all Sonoma County grapes, right?
2: Mm hundred percent, yeah. Actually, they are Russian weaver Valley grapes, so that's the appellation for both wines.
4: Um, yeah, did you lose the 20 vintage? Is that why you had to, you were short? Or I know a lot of people weren't able to make wine in 20?
2: No, we did, so there just wasn't much of it. Yeah, so white wines on 2020 were beautiful. I mean, I I really feel, and it's Sauvignon Blanc, so we harvest before we even know. Something as terrible Was going to happen to us As the fires But um, Yeah It really doesn't affect White wines And these wines Are harvested normally The second week of August Mm -hmm. uh, First week of August This year Maybe much later Because we have had Such a wet And cold winter Uh, We will see
1: Barry Your thoughts On what we're tasting I think
4: it's amazing. I'm into the microphone, Barry. Yeah, as Thank I, you. Well, I, I, got, I got distracted looking at. The You're wine. getting closer to the wine yeah, and further I, away I'm from the microphone. Drifting away. Now, the uh, I'm lucky as a buyer that our clientele is like an amazingly curious crowd. Uh, a lot of them in the industry, obviously, but having older wines like this, and I was talking earlier that uh, I get some older Simeone from Australia periodically, and then we buy sellers, and it all just disappears quickly because. Yeah, people in the business that are really fanatical collectors and buyers really want to see what wines do with age. And there's, you can't replicate, as Dan has reiterated many times, what happens with age. It becomes magical, and it matches amazing different kinds of food, like you were talking about Michelin restaurants, benefit from having older wines. So yeah. that's really fun to me. When
0: And this project is exciting also because if you drink sweet wine, don't go, don't go don't go here. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, not here right
2: yeah, this is bone bone dry, mm. super dry wines, uh, <coughs> still with very solid intervention, and you know we we don't talk enough about sustainability because we are so used to it in Sonoma County, mm-hmm. but obviously, all of these wines are from sustainable certified vendors, amazing farming practices. And I think Jeff and I, respect for wine is pretty obvious on the wines we make across our different brands. But definitely sheer notes really a testament of we want to show what a grape can be with the minimum intervention, transforming to wine and, and give something to talk about on decades.
1: I think the only... Time we've talked about pairing these wines was a, with the first one when you screamed oysters. Right? How about yeah. this wine? What would you pair this one
0: with? This is really interesting because at, at ten years old, you would imagine that, and it's white wine. You would imagine it would go with something like swordfish or halibut or something. And in a certain way, this wine would go with rare roast beef because it's so oily and so rich in the mid palate, and still the acid is all there. So if there's any fat left in that dish and there's not very much fat in rare roast beef, then you want something that has the personality to stand up to this. So to me, something out of the norm that would work, and rare roast beef uh, with uh, these kinds of wines, aged uh, white wines, they're exciting.
1: Jeff or Bibiana, would you agree with Dan's recommendation?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about pairing these wines, especially when we taste with Psalms or when we go to really special restaurants. And I think that these wines, especially with age, really are a great complement to very complex dishes. So, like, a rare beef, that definitely is great. I think it's great with any kind of white meat, uh, lobster, with smoked dishes. It can be smoked vegetables now that we have so much uh, Mm root-based food. So Mm -hmm. it can really go deep with things like mushrooms and creams and complex Mm -hmm. combination of things. Uh, It's just really pretty interesting to see how the wine gains on the palate. And reduce a little bit that acidity that is so tense at the beginning, but you. But it doesn't even smell like a wine that has aged for ten years. No, in fact, at in, at
0: it, this is a two thousand twelve, and if I were to compare this to anything, I would compare it to a two thousand twelve Chablis, because Chablis is the only white wine that I know of that would be at ten years would give you this kind of
4: personality. Very similar, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Barry, you had mentioned earlier the. Aroma of caramel.
4: Yeah, I would say that's the main difference I smell between the young version of this and the old. Is that you? What you? The only part that's aging about it is that aroma. I think the flavors taste as fresh as if it was made yesterday.
1: And I did not pick up that aroma when we began, mm-hmm. but now. Boy, mm-hmm. is it there, and it's he's a delightful nose. It's <laughs> a delightful <laughs> nose. <laughs> yeah,
4: and a lot of minerality combined with that. So it's a really neat. Oh and okay, it's exactly yeah. what you get in Chablis. Uh, same with older Chablis. Uh, a very light caramel quality comes out, and I really think you have got one
1: more wine to taste,
2: right? Yeah. Mm. So oh, I'm out of the microphone. So Jeff is pouring a Chardonnay. So we are detracting from Chardonnay's wines. We heard that. Our guests like Chardonnay as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Your host
4: who's not here. (laughs) Our our (laughs) Chardonnay. He's missing Um,
2: out. So we are pouring one of my wines. Um, I started my own label in 2011 and it's called Cat Leia. Actually, you can think about Star Wars Princess Leia and that's (laughs) easy. Um, So Cat Leia wines are really ones that are very focused in Sonoma County, Napa Valley and Santa Lucia Highlands and really single vineyard terroirs. So they are very small production. Some of the wines can be 75 cases to 300 cases. The wine that we are tasting is Cuban number five. It is a Sonoma Coast uh, Chardonnay. And what I'm looking for on this wine is I'm trying to find vineyards that are at 900 feet elevation. So it can be Annapolis or uh, Fort Sea View or Petaluma Gap. It doesn't really matter the Sonoma Coast AVA. But uh, I'm really looking for that elevation that really influences the impact that the ocean has on the wines and the purity of the aromatics. So,
3: Where did the
0: fruit come from specifically?
2: So these two vineyards on that wine come from Petaluma Gap. Uh, they sit at 1,300 feet elevation, so it's actually pretty high elevation. Uh, very low production, all 20 cron, um fermented on only French oak barrels, and about 65% new oak.
1: You mentioned that you had heard your host love Chardonnay, and I can confirm that. (laughs) Uh, Steve Jackson uh, is at home recuperating. Uh, He broke some ribs in a fall. He's doing okay, but he is recuperating, and he does hope to be back soon. If there's anything to get him back in the studio, it would be this Chardonnay. This Mm -hmm. is magnificent. Absolutely.
0: And what I like about it most is that If you lose a bottle, it'll be improved, but you cannot experience anything better than opening up now and enjoying this incredible This is delicious. Yeah, because the acidity is so brilliant.
2: So, again, one of the things that have been the most important for me throughout my winemaking career has been acidity. So more than thinking about alcohol on the wines or... Uh, all of those conversations that can be trendy sometimes. It's more about the ageability of the wines, and I think acidity really is the secret, and minimum intervention. So trying to do the minimum on the wines. I love oak, so I use a lot of French oak. I don't use any other oak. Um, but again, we don't do any fining, no filtration, no additive. We obviously use a little bit of sulfites um, to protect the wines and to protect them from microbiology and... Um, issues, but other than that it's just (coughs) grapes
4: Barry, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is a great marriage Uh, a lot of people that go for acidity like you do lose the richness on the other end, and this is a great marriage of richness, it's got those buttery, rich components that people love in Chardonnay, but then the acid kicks in, a lot of people going for high acid just get that nervy acidity and nothing else and, and lose, it's all like eating a young apple or something, that's all you get but I love how you preserve both sides of it that people like. And, and, yeah, and
0: unlike it. a lot of Chardonnays, this will be better in a couple of years. Yeah.
1: Okay. Get- you got to get that <laughs> lay it in statement oh, in I, there, don't you, I have I have an agenda. You <laughs> do. At least you're consistent. <laughs> We're going to wrap up California wine country. This week's episode featuring Dan Berger and Barry Herbst and their guests Jeff Pisoni and Bibiana Rave of Shared Notes Wines. Now, if you visit their website, SharedNotesWine.com, you'll see a tab for their story, you'll see a tab for their wines, and you'll see a tab for coffee. What is that all about?
2: Right. Uh, Well, obviously you asked me where I am from. Um, So I was born and raised in Colombia. And I grew up drinking a lot of coffee. I'm a coffee fanatical. And uh, when Jeff and I had our two kids, so we have an eight and six years old boys, I really wanted them to have a connection to where I come from and to have an excuse and a better understanding of my culture and how Latinos we are and how family is so important and the land is so important. And since we get to farm vineyards in California, I have this little dream that they could one day also farm coffee farms in Colombia. So I told Jeff a few years ago that I really wanted to buy a coffee farm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and
3: you asked earlier if we were crazy, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I thought
4: making mistakes.
2: And then Jeff was very smart. He says to me, like, well, why don't we start importing green beans? We roast them. And if if we really feel strong about this we can go to the next step.
3: So but what's really fun and you could Bibiana, you could share more is that how much like farming and site specific all these farms are. They're small farms, you know, we, we source from like, you know, sustainable operations, but it's amazing how the character when you talk about coffee and wine, how many parallels there are.
2: Yeah, so we started talking about coffee, and what a lot of people do not know is coffee is also a byproduct of a fermentation, and it happens with saccharomyces, which is the same yeast that ferment wine. So you have to ferment the cherries to extract the pulp and release the green coffee, so We need yeast, same as we need in wine, to make coffee. So that byproduct, there is a little fermentation that happens on the cherries that impacts the quality of coffee. Um, So that's a very important step on the coffee we drink today. Coffee is not just a fruit that we are eating or drinking by itself. Um, We also are very dependent on terroir, so high elevation, farming, Location is extremely important. The varietal. So there are many different varieties on coffee. Uh, Colombian coffee is Arabica coffee, which is very different than African coffees, Ethiopia and all of those different regions. So we only do Colombian coffee. We don't bring any other coffee beans. And we are doing, um, we do farm by farm. So if you are on a subscription with us, this month you might be having um Finca Don Felix, and then next month you are going to have Doña Lidiana, or uh, at the, on Don Mario or different farms. They are very small. They are all family-owned uh, trade fair. There is not intermediate uh, distributors between the producer and our importer to the U.S. We cop every single farm, so we have gone through the extent of testing the beans before we bring them and you're gonna be tasting our current coffee, which is uh, Pueblo Rico. Um, we are almost done with this farm and we are bringing four new farms next month. So we will just go farm by farm and we will just change one at a time. So Jeff is pouring uh, our coffee. We just uh, did a French press and we do a light to medium roast. So we don't offer a uh, That's the coffee sound Yes,
1: he's pouring right into the microphone Mm. See, we like that sound on the drive Yeah (laughs) He's a pro
2: Um, Yeah, so this is what we do Um, We are very excited about this process We just We are about Almost ready to have our own roastery At the winery Um,
1: You gotta love that sound You have to love that sound Joe, I'm sure, would like a little coffee
2: Yeah, he's the coffee drinker So
1: yeah. You have a coffee club as well yes. as a wine club. Right. So
2: we do have coffee subscription. Actually, we do not have a wine club, but uh, we do have a mailing list. And for the coffee, we have subscriptions. So people all around the U.S. can just sign up to get a bag of coffee every week, biweekly, once a month. Uh, and we grind it for people that want it. grind We obviously recommended whole beans because you can manage the freshness of the beans. And we roast on demand, so the coffee you are tasting right now was roasted on the 30th of March. So it was roasted five days ago. I mean, four days ago.
1: Dan, how long would you lay this coffee down? <laughs>
4: <laughs> 33 minutes. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah, it's really Barry? Yeah, I'm a fan. Mm. I got a different one, I think, when we did the SOH tour, and it yes. was also delicious. Different yeah. style, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fascinating
0: what I like about this coffee is you don't need any additives. No sugar, no cream, no nothing. You just yeah, it's just coffee. It's really, really good. It's just
1: rich enough as yeah. is. Joe, yeah. have you sampled the coffee?
4: Then get he's, on the microphone and tell the, us about the it. ultimate test here. <laughs> It works for me. I'd like to have it around... Instead of what I drink now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, thank you. Great.
1: Steve frequently talks about bad radio coffee. That yeah. It's yeah. its own blend, uh, and I think this, this would delight work, him. Yeah,
4: this wouldn't work as bad radio this coffee. This doesn't work as bad radio <laughs> coffee. No way.
1: All right, Dan, final thoughts on shared notes wine.
0: I think it's an exciting project that people should get accustomed to hearing about because more uh, the more that you hear about it, the more it's valid based on the style, the philosophy. I think most people are going to be a little disappointed with the fact that these wines are expensive but you know what? You can't make wine that's any good unless there's price involved and this stuff is fabulous and i'm a first buyer i'll be out there with my checkbook tomorrow
3: to all right again
1: check out their website shared note notes plural sharednoteswine.com jeff Pisoni and bibiana Rave, thank you so much for joining us on california wine country
2: thank you for having us
1: yeah thanks so much